Welcome to Centre Church. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. So I want to pre-preaching from like Tom was saying earlier that we're carrying on the series of Jonah. So if you want to go to Jonah chapter 3, I'm just going to read the first few verses. Um, I think there's a PowerPoint, but don't worry, I can can read. So yeah, Jonah chapter 3 from verse 1 says here, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent, and Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Here we're going to, this week we're going to be speaking, be preaching on and talking about obedience and about God's call for us to obey and, and what that means. And here you see it, as, as Wish was preaching last week, that, that God has now delivered Jonah from the belly of the fish and, and vomited up onto dry land, and now there is a second chance. Now there is that redemption um, that we see. But now God calls Jonah again. You know, the Bible, throughout Scripture, it speaks of the importance of obedience, and it is essential in the Christian life. But what does it mean to obey, and, and and what does that actually look like? You know, in, um, in Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes, the penultimate verse of the book of Ecclesiastes, written by this, one of the wisest men that live, ever lived outside of Jesus, Solomon, who, when writing this book, the penultimate verse, he says, Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. That he summarized all of life in this, in this book of Ecclesiastes, where he's looking for the meaning and the purpose of life in a book, really, which is speaking of despair as well, when he looks at his own life and how he's kind of walked away and, and kind of neglected what he first had with the Lord. But at the end, he says that the meaning of life is to fear God and to obey him. And in the, if you read the rest of the Ecclesiastes, it says everything else is vanity, everything else is empty. But if we fear God and if we keep his commandments, if we obey him, that this is, this is all, this is, the, this is the great call that God has for us. And this is the summary that, of the wisest man that's ever lived outside of Jesus. So we see here that, that in, the, in the Christian life and in the Bible that obedience is a big deal with God. That obedience is a great call that God has for us and a great desire that he, that he has in each and every one of us. And the same in the life of Jonah. That when, when God calls him a second time, that, that now Jonah knows that this is, there is a great... There's a great seriousness, there's a great weight to this. And that it's not only just to, to say that we hear from God, but now it's to actually obey him. You know, even before, before I came even to preach this, I, I was even in prayer. It's just, you can sometimes feel so like, um, kind of like unworthy to carry this great message as you are speaking of obedience. And there is so much for me to learn in my own life and so much I need to walk out in as well. But, um, but we trust God that he's able to minister to each and every one of us and I'm definitely not standing up here saying that I've mastered obedience and I've perfected this Christian walk, but this is something that I've definitely, there's, there's been times where it's been tested in my life and times where I've walked out on it and the goal for all of us is to walk in more and more obedience. 
So, so what does it mean to obey? There are, if you look at the word obedience, there are really two, two key roots to the word obedience and what it means to obey. And the first, the, first, um, the first point is actually to hear, to hear God. You see here in, in Jonah chapter 3, Jonah's obedience only begins when God commands him. You know, we can't live a life of obedience if we, don't even, if we aren't even hearing what we are to obey. We can't say, I'm living, I'm living in the Christian life and I'm, I'm walking out in total obedience if we don't even know what God has said to us, either through, through him speaking to us or even in the scriptures. If we don't know what God is saying, we can't say that we live a life of obedience. Otherwise, we're walking around aimlessly. We're just following our own desires or following what we think or we're becoming the, our own guide. But obedience starts with hearing God. And that's why it's so important for us as Christians today to, to pray and to read the Bible, to know God in prayer and to know God in the Scriptures, to know what he's saying, to know what he's guiding us in, because obedience can only start once we hear what God is saying. And it begins with that, with hearing God. And that's where it began with Jonah, the second time. God called him the first time in chapter 1. He walks away from God, but now the second time, now, now God speaks to him again, and now Jonah has to respond. Again, in, the, in our life, we're always following something. You know, we'll read about it later on, but there is always something we're, we're obeying and following. Either we are following something that leads to light and righteousness and following Jesus in obedience, or we're following darkness and we're following a, a, a path that only leads to death. But the great deception can be that we can guide our own lives and that we can forge our own path and make our own way. But we're not... It's, it's, we're always following something. And the, and the scriptures speak of this. We're always following something. And when we are obeying God, it's because we are both hearing what God is saying and we're choosing that way. This is what Jonah begun to do here in chapter 3. But it begins with hearing God. We must know who it is that we're following. In our decisions that we're making, in the actions, in our, in our motives, we must know who we are taking instruction from. Who is the the author, who's the director of these, of these steps or of this path? Is it, is it God? Is it, so, is it someone else? We must know what God is saying before we can even obey, and it begins with hearing. And it's, uh, and it's here that it's not, obedience isn't just, it's not just about hearing, but it's also how you hear. That's why I've written here, to hear attentively. It requires not just hearing God, but it requires actually having responding and taking that in. You know, in the, the parable of the seed and the sower in Mark 4, the, the, the difference in the outcome wasn't in the seed, but it was in the, in the ground that, w that the seed was sown in. You know, the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and Jesus is no respecter of persons, the scripture says. But what does change is how we respond to that and how we hear it. You know, there was ground that, that didn't take the, so the seed in at all, and there was ground where it really took it in, and that's what bore much fruit. And again, it's like that for us in the Christian life, that the, the outcome of our life, the outworking of this faith, the outworking of this great gospel is determined not just by the gospel itself, but how we hear it. Are we, are we letting the, the word of God now, are we truly meditating it and really considering what those words mean in our own lives? Are we considering, what does that mean in my situation? What do I need to change? How, do I, how, how are my motives now being compared to the, the light of the gospel? What, 
What needs to change from me to line up with the word? And this is what it means to hear attentively, is to truly consider what is being said, not just to hear it, but truly think about it and, try and, and then applying it in our own lives and in our own hearts. And this is what's so important, is to hear attentively. And this is the, the Christian life both requires, but it also demands as well. It, it begins with hearing God, and it also begins with hearing him attentively and truly considering what God is saying. What does that require of us? What, is that, what does that mean in our, in our own lives? What does that mean in our families, in our, in our actions? What, when Jesus is speaking these words, what, what does that require of me as a result? And this is what it means to hear and to hear attentively. When we, let, when we have almost this conviction from the scriptures and, and that we let now what God is saying both in, in prayer or in the word, we're now letting that go deep into our beings and to, to alter our will and our motives and, and our inner self and our inner man. That's what it is when you start hearing and truly, truly considering and, and deeply hearing and, and meditating on the scriptures and what God is saying to us. And that's when we start to, to shine. You know, it says in Matthew 5, when Jesus is preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he says that you are, to shine, you, know, you are the salt of the earth. You are a city that is set on a hill that cannot be hidden. This is when, when we start hear, hearing and, and really taking in what God is saying. That's when we start shining in our, in, our, in our families, in our workplace, in our schools, in our communities. That's when there's truly an outworking of the gospel in us because it's now got, really gone into us like that in, in that Mark 4 parable, it's, it's now it's really gone, the seed that God has sown is really going deep into the soil, and it's really starting to take root in us. And here it was for Jonah as well. Now, after his prayer in, in chapter 2, now he's truly understood the, the, the wonder and, the, and who God is, and the, the seriousness and the weight of these words, and what this demands of him as a result. And then two, so obedience begins with hearing and hearing attentively. But then also, the second point, obedience, when you look at the word, it actually means to respond to what we hear as well. This is the second part, is actually an, an action in this as well. It's not just hearing. The hearing alone will obviously help, help change and help expose our own lives and our own hearts and help work on the inner man. But now that needs to be an outward working, and that's what comes in the response. And obedience is both hearing and then acting out that, what we have heard. When that conviction now starts to drive an action in us and in our situations, when we're now wanting to live out the scriptures, now we're wanting to live out what God's call is for our lives, what, now we're wanting to live out what we are hearing from God in prayer or through people speaking, speaking over us or from people in the church or or through what God is speaking to us personally. Now we're wanting to live these things out. Now we're wanting to truly follow the footsteps of Jesus, not just to look at him from afar, but actually to walk alongside him and to follow what his calling is for us in the Christian life and for us individually. And this is what obedience is when we both hear God and when we respond to God. You know, there's a famous, famous verse in, in the book of James that we, most of us will know here, and it says that faith without works is dead. And really the, the meaning of that means is, is that a confession, is, a confession without action is lifeless. And truly that when we, when we say we believe, and we say Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Messiah, he's the one that by his blood and, and through his death and resurrection and ascension, 
Now I have one way to the Father. Now I've been born again. Now I have a new life and there is one Lord and there is one faith. And I've been born again. That if, that, if that then stops there, that there is no life in that. But if that means I believe, therefore I. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, therefore I'm going to follow him. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, therefore I'm going to, and that he is all I need, therefore I'm going to give up my addictions. I'm going to turn away from my old life. I'm going, to, I'm going to forgive other people as Christ has forgiven me. I'm going to prefer others to myself because Jesus asked me to and because Jesus, the, the holy son of God, gave, laid down his own life to take on my sin and my punishment. This is when, this is when that is faith is coming with works. It's coming with corresponding action. It's no longer just a confession, but it is an outward working of an inner belief. And this is what it means to obey. It's not just to hear those words and just to, to meditate on it, but now it's to work out in us and in our lives. And this is what Jonah starts to do. As soon you see the very next verse, as soon as God calls him, it says, so Jonah arose and went. He was following now the call of God. Now he was living a life of obedience to what God was saying to him. And this is what obedience is. It's not just a, something we say, but it's tangible. It's something that is realized in our lives. A life of obedience can be seen, it can be known. You can, you can see it with your eyes, you can see it in your own life, in the mirror. You can see what a life of obedience to God looks like because it is, it is tangible, it is real. It's not just something we say, but it's something we live as well. And this is what we are seeing in the life of Jonah now in this redemptive work that requires obedience. And this is where... Jonah is, is rooted in that call. He's rooted in that hearing from God. And this is now driving his action. Instead of turning away from the Lord, now he's running to what God has called him to do. And that is what you know, Ruth, Ruth preached about a couple of weeks ago, that, that fear of God and that awe of God. And like what we're reading in Ecclesiastes earlier, that now Jonah has come out of the fish, out of the belly of the fish with, that, with now this fear of God and this, one, and this awe of who God is with now the, it, the necessity that he knows that I must obey the Lord. And as soon as he hears God call him again to this same calling, now he goes straight away. The very next verse, he is going towards Nineveh. And this is what God is looking for. He's looking for people. He's looking for those that are humbly and, and wholeheartedly hearing and then receiving the instruction of the Lord and then running forward with it. Not just saying, I'll do it another time, or I'll, I'll obey Jesus when things are a bit easier, or, or when I understand more, but I'll follow Jesus now. Straight away, as soon as God tells me, as soon as I read it in the Word, and I see that my life doesn't quite line up with that, I'm going to obey Him now. That is what the Lord is looking for, and that's what, that's what He will honor in our lives. You know, we see this also powerfully in the, in the life of Paul, in who, was a, who God had called to be an apostle. He called him to go and share the message of the gospel, the message that Jesus is the Christ, to, the, to not only countries, but to continents, and to share this gospel, what God had wonderfully ministered and Jesus wonderfully shown and revealed to him, that now he was to go and share it. And you see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'll just read it to you. But he says this statement, Paul says, Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. It's no longer this obedience doesn't just mean I should do this, but it's I need to do this. 
And Paul said it's not just, not just I should preach the gospel, or I guess God is calling me to preach the gospel. He says, woe is me. Great sadness, great, what a travesty, what a, what a, di- what a dismay it would be if I do not preach this gospel. If I do not walk out in obedience to what God has called me, not just I should do it, but woe is me if I don't do it. It speaks of the, the, the Paul had this, this grip of the necessity to follow the, to follow the call of God and to obey him. Not just that he should do it, but he needs to do it. And it becomes a must in our lives. When God starts working in us, when we start to truly hear what he's saying and what that, what that means, that God Almighty is speaking to us and he has a call for our lives and he is deeply concerned and, and, and deeply cares about our lives and our actions and our hearts and, and how we live this life, that even things that other people see, that he sees that as so important to him because he cares about us. You know, when we, see, when we see God for who he really is and when we see the call and the instructions and the commands of God for what they really are, it drives, like Paul's saying here, this necessity to live it out. Not just to hear it and to quote it, but to truly live it. And that's what it means to obey, not just to hear God, but to respond to God as well. And that's truly where our part begins and ends in the Christian life, that when we are hearing God and when we are receiving the instructions of the Lord, and then when we are living it out by faith, we are choosing to follow the ways of Jesus. When we are doing this, that's, now God is able to work in and amongst us. It's not, that, it's not that we play the role of God and we determine the outcome, but we can determine our response we can determine what we do with this great gospel. We can determine how we respond to the, the faith that our, our parents have given us or that our local church has given us or through friends and family that we have been bestowed this great gift of the gospel and of eternal life. But now on this earth, now in our, our years, what do, now what do we do? What does that require of us? What does that cause in us? Does that cause a great stirring in us? Does that cause a great desire that I must follow? Like Paul said, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Woe is me if I do not live out the calling that God has for my life. No longer is it a suggestion, but it's a command of the Lord, and we receive it as such. And we see here Jonah is is straight away going to what God has called him to do. And this is is the great calling of our life. If you would turn to Romans chapter 6, I just want to read a, passage here. I think we're okay for time. If you go to Romans 6, I'm just going to read a few verses from verse 15. And it says here, what then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? Certainly not. Do you not know to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey? You are that one slave whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness. But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you have become slaves of righteousness. You see, obedience here with the working of the gospel brings about the transformation. It's not just, it's not just hearing alone. If, it was, if hearing alone was all it took, then everyone within, within hearing distance of Jesus would have been saved when he was walking on this earth. Everyone that was within a radius that could see and hear Jesus would be instantly saved and born again. But it requires a response in us. That's what it says here. It says, you obeyed from the heart that doctrine to which you were delivered. 
through hearing the doctrine, through hearing the gospel, through hearing, through hearing the wonderful works of our Lord Jesus Christ, through and what he calls us to live in, through this, and then through our heart responding, saying, yes, I must live that way. God, help me to, to live out this way. Help expose in my life the areas where I'm not quite aligned to this. Help me to, to truly live this out. I don't want to just pretend to live the Christian life. I want to truly live it and see what it's like to truly follow the Lord and what can God do with a life like mine. That's when now there's a transformation. Now, you, now the doctrine isn't just something you agree with theoretically, but now it's taking a great work in your life. Now people can see that you are a child of God, not just because you confess it, but because the life that you live devotes itself to that. It displays that you are not of your own that you are not following your own way, that you're not going your own path. And like I said earlier, we, we don't create our own paths. It is a great deception to think that we can pilot and direct our own lives. But you see here in Romans 6, it says either you're going a way that leads to darkness or you're going to a way that leads to light. As it said in John 1, that Jesus is that great light that has come into the world and the darkness could not comprehend it. But there was no middle ground. There was no third option but it's either salvation or not. It's either the Christian life or it isn't. And again here, when we choose to obey, it's not that we've, we've been following our own way. Now we've gone, we've been following another. We've been following the way of the world. We've been following the darkness. We've been following what the enemy is, has lied to us and told us to go. And that's why it's so important to know that it's God that's speaking to us and that we are, our actions are truly rooted in the scriptures and what God has said. Otherwise, we can be so easily deceived and go another way and think that we're going the right way. That's what deception is. It, you think you're, you're fine, but you, you've veered off. And here God says that when you obey, when you obey from the heart, now that very gospel that you, that you believe in, now that very gospel that you read about, now you're seeing that at work and at evidence in your own life. Now that's no longer a gospel that's afar off, but now it's a gospel that comes near and it says the word is living and alive and active within us and within our homes and within our families and within our situations. This is now the gospel that comes very near to us. And we see this in the life of Jonah. No longer, maybe when, when Jonah in chapter one, when he was faced with this, maybe there was a great fear. How can I go to this city? But we see later there is a great dismay over this city. He didn't want to see them saved. These were his enemies. But now his, that, that, those other emotions have now been overcome by a much greater, much greater reality, which is I must obey God. Now I must obey God. It's not, about, not necessarily about not having any other emotions or not having any other things going on in your situation, but there is an overriding necessity to obey God. And that even when there are times where we might be fearful or we might be anxious or we might have other things going on and there, are, there is context to our situation, but there is an overriding context and that is that we must follow the ways of Jesus, that we must follow him. And again, the outcome isn't our responsibility. Jesus didn't say, go and see this great city be saved, even though they do go and repent. There are many prophets in the Bible that go to a city or, or speak to their own nation and they don't hear those words. They don't receive that. But God doesn't call him to, to determine the outcome, but he calls him to go and obey. And when we go and obey, then we are truly trusting in God and, and that's all we can do. 
We're not God. We're not, we're not the ones that are determining the outcome. We're not trying to manipulate other people. We're not trying to control other people. We're not trying to predetermine situations, but we are here to obey God. And as it said in Ecclesiastes, this is man's all. That when we obey God and we follow him, then God is able to work in and through it. Then we're able to see what God can do. And, we, and we've committed our lives to him, and God will reward that. Now it says in Revelation, again and again, he says to the churches, to you who persevere, I'll give you a crown of glory that does not fade away. That this, the word is, is, and the continual encouragement that the Spirit gives to the church is to persevere, is to keep going, to keep obeying. Not just a one-time thing, but to keep fighting the good fight, to keep carrying on, to not give up, but to keep obeying the Lord. And sometimes, you know, in our, in our testimonies, again, sometimes we'll, we'll, you know, we'll thank God and we'll praise God for the great outcome. And, and there is a great thing that we should praise God and we should thank God for the, the great work that he does and, and the, great, the great end to it. But there's also a testimony of when just someone obeys. There's also a great testimony when someone goes, I used to live that way and, and instead of going that way, which will benefit me, I'm now going to forfeit that and follow the ways of Jesus. You know, I've got times in my life, and I'm sure there are many times here, there are other people here, there are times where I've obeyed God, and it has been a, a great breakthrough and a great miracle. And, and instantly I can go, wow, God, thank you. God, to God be the glory, because he has brought about something that I could never have mastered in that situation. But there have been times where I've followed God, and it's like I've fallen flat on my face in the moment. And, it's, and it looks like it's gone awful. You may go to someone, you may speak to someone about the gospel, you may try and help someone in a situation. You might have to have that difficult conversation that is, a, that is a godly conversation and an instruction and trying to pull them out of a situation. Sometimes it can feel like it just blows up in your face or you look at it, you go, this has gone way worse than what I thought it could have gone and I'm just trying to follow you. But you know what? There is a great testimony in that. There's a great testimony in saying, instead of, instead of just going how I would have gone about my life, now I obey God. And even if the outcome doesn't fit doesn't suit me, even if the outcome doesn't seem to be that great, or even if no one sees or no one notices, you know what, I have obeyed God and God sees me and God honours me and God will reward me. And that, that is a great testimony, just to obey God. Just to obey God, just to be, now look at me. Now you can look in the mirror and go, man, I used to go this way. Now I'm, now I'm a different man. Now, now God is getting a hold of me. Now I'm now my motive, I would have, if I would have been presented with that situation, the first thing I would have done was to do that other thing. And now that doesn't even come to my mind anymore. That isn't even my first response. Now I'm following the ways of the Lord and it doesn't matter about the outcome. That is, it, I'm just wanting to obey the Lord. That is a great miracle and even, even in and of itself, that is a great testimony. And a man that obeys, a person that obeys, is, I believe, a person with great vision Great vision where they go, I, I look beyond just the short term. I look beyond just this life and I'm looking to a great glory, a great eternity that is to come and, and the glory of the life that is to come where I'll forever live with the Lord far outstrips any glory that I could receive from man or any situation or, or any organization right now. That a man that obeys is a man that sees beyond just their current situation and is looking at a more eternal crown. I've been reading, recently I've been rereading, have you read the book, um, The Pilgrim's Progress? It is a wonderful book. I remember as a kid, I used to have a babysitter, someone in youth, in the young adults when I was a kid, and I remember they got like a kid's version, and they'd read me this Pilgrim's Progress, and it's stayed with me to this day, this wonderful story of a man that is walking 
to eternal life and is, and is walking towards the Lord, sees the, the error of his ways, and through all these obstacles, through all these other people that come and tempt him, through all these situations that come about him, that he obeys God and he is obeying and he's sticking to it. And, and God, there is a great glory that awaits us in that. There is a great glory that far surpasses anything that we could attain for ourselves in this life. Even if, even if in this life you obey God and it feels like it, it hasn't brought about a great reward now, that God will give you a, an eternal crown of glory, that God will give you a, a reward in heaven that far outstrips anything you could have had here. And that glory and that reward will last forever and ever. It won't be a temporary thing like now. It will be forever and ever. And what, and what a great call that is. What a great reward that is to obedience. We even see it in the Beatitudes when, when Jesus says, he says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What a great blessing that is that now that God's very kingdom now belongs to those that are living out in obedience. Even if it comes at the consequence of their own short term or their own selves, that God, God sees and God honors those who obey him. Even if it doesn't suit us in, in, our, in our situation. And the last thing I want to speak about is, obviously speak about what it means to obey, but also God's desire for obedience. Whoever's on the back, they're doing, they're, you're doing better than me, you're quicker than me on this, so thank you very much. But one of the reasons we obey, obviously, is because it honors and it pleases God, but also because it keeps us on the path that God has for us. It keeps us in the, the best life that we could possibly have, because it's a life that follows Jesus. It's the key desire that God has that he would have a people that would walk with him and follow in his footsteps and would go the ways that he has walked on this earth when he came to us. And in fact, the Bible says, and it says it repeatedly, it says, a life of obedience is greater than, than anything you could ever give to God. In 1 Samuel 15, verses 22, you can read this at another time, but it says, it says, has the Lord as great a desire in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. It's not saying that we can be obeying God in, in, our, in our worship, in our giving of our time, of our resources, in our energy. It's not, that, it's not that that isn't obedience, but if that happens outside of obeying the Lord, if we are using that as a way of substituting it in, of living a life of obedience. If we are keeping God at arm's length and we just do these other things, but really we're, in our hearts we're choosing not to obey God in some areas, then, then it's, it's inferior. God said, I'd much rather you live a life of obedience to me. That's, that's true worship to God. That's true giving to God. You're giving to God your own will. You're giving to God your own desire, your own heart, your own what you would want to do or what you've been taught how to do things, how, what, you've been, what you've grown up in and what you've been instructed in, but, but now you are following the Lord. God says that is greater than any offering you could give me. That is greater than anything you could ever give me is a life of obedience. And that, in God's kingdom, carries a much greater weight than sometimes these other things we do. But when it's not in obedience, it's just, it's just an empty symbol. It's just empty. It's vanity, as Ecclesiastes say, but without obedience... It's vanity, but the Lord looks for, for obedience in those things. We can do those things for sure, but it, it must also, over, in an overriding sense, have a life of obedience behind it. And God will honor that, and that's what, God, that's what pleases God. And anything else is a poor substitute. 
You see what Wish was powerfully preaching last week of Jonah's prayer in chapter 2 and Jonah's repentance and his, and his brokenness and his realisation of, of what has gone wrong in his life. And God, God brings him out of the fish, but, but that repentance, that prayer is only realised in then the, the following obedience. If he prays that prayer and then carries on living, that is an empty prayer. It's just words. That now it comes, now, it, now comes the chance. Now God says, okay then, you've, you've prayed that prayer. Now I'm going to call you again. Now what are you going to do? Now what's your, your response going to be? It's like Mo, Moses in the wilderness. Moses left God and, and tried to kill the Egyptians, do things his own way. Then God meets him. And then God throws down the, the staff and it becomes a snake. And he says, go pick it up. And God, Moses picks it up and it becomes a staff again. And again, speaking of, now will you obey me? You know, you've said that you will obey me. You've said that you will do these things. But now will you obey my voice? Now will you obey what the scriptures say? Now, now you've prayed that prayer. Now that you've repented. Now you've repented from that, way of, that old way of life. Now when that opportunity arises again, are you going to go back into that way? Or are you going to say, no, do you know what? I meant that when I repented. God, give me strength. Help me to live out this way. I don't want this just to be empty words. I don't want to just come here and just do this same thing week after week, month after month. I don't want to be in this cycle again and again and again. Lord, I, 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 what I, mean, I meant it when I prayed that. I meant it when I sung that song, you know, when we were singing about surrender. Lord, I, I want to mean that. I want to mean that in my life. Help me to obey, Lord. Help me to, to live out this Christian life. And this is what he does. He backs it up in chapter 3. Now, by faith, he is... He is walking out in an obedience. Now he's walking out what he said he would do in chapter 2 in that prayer. Now he, is, now he is realizing that restoration that God always had. God always wants us to be restored. He doesn't want us to be held back or trapped in sin or in the ways of this world. God wants to see us restored, but it also requires action from us. It also requires obedience, both to hear God and now to respond to God. To hear him attentively and to respond it speaks of, I'm just going to read one more passage and then, and then we'll be done. It speaks of this in the, in the life of Jesus, the greatest witness of all for the Christian life. In Hebrews chapter 10, if you want to turn there, verses 5 to 7, speaking of the life of Jesus, says, Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice an offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will, O God. Again, this is speaking both, both of Jesus' own sacrifice in preparing the new covenant where we could now have a relationship with God, where it speaks of where we were once enemies to God, now we can be sons of God. And that he would pay the price for what we have done and through our own desertion of the Lord. But also it speaks quite literally of Jesus surrendering his own will. He's saying, you didn't, you didn't just send me to come on this earth to, to perform miracles. You didn't just come and send me on earth to, to give a great offering to, or to build something. But you, you sent me so I would give myself, my being to you. That the Christian life says that I, that I would give my will to you. That now it's no longer my will, but now it's your will, God. Now my, my obedience looks like not me just trying to incorporate God, but now it's all God. And now I read the scriptures, and now I, I ask God when, I, when I'm reading the Bible, God, what does this mean in my life? What does that, 
what do you require of me in this time? What do you require of me in my family or in my situation or amongst those at work who aren't saved? What do you require of me in my church? What do you require of me in nights of prayer? Or in all these things where God is just, even in the small times, acts of obedience. That there are, there are many times where we can demonstrate and walk out this Christian life. Even when other people don't see, even may, may seem insignificant to a lot of people. But we can live this out. And that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you didn't just... I'm not, the purpose for me being on this earth isn't just to, to give you something, God, but it's to, it's to exchange my will for your will. It's now, to, it's now my whole body that I'm giving. And that's what a life of obedience looks like. Again, in Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, How can a young man cleanse his way but by taking heed according to your word? How can I, how can I live a life that is straight? How can I walk on this narrow way that Jesus speaks about by obeying the words of God? And that is man's all. If I can invite Tom and the worship team up here. You know, walking in God's will means obeying God. To walk in God's will for our life means and begins with obedience. And when we hear God is to take it seriously and to take it with our whole heart and to hear it attentively, but then it also means to respond to that. Respond to that calling that God has. You know, I remember we went to, a, um, went to one of those huge old cathedrals in Bath. Um, and you see it in some of the churches here. And, and when you walk in it, you'll see these plaques. And you'll see the people, and it'll have like, written like their, you know, their name and their dates of when they lived. And usually there'll be the, these amazing lines. And I remember just being struck by some of the lines that would be written about these people. And it'll be like, you know, so-and-so, and that they were, they were a righteous and just man. Or it would speak of this woman, and it would be like, she, you know, she gave her life to her family, and she welcomed all of those who came in as her own. Or this man, this was a man that, that gave what he had to build this church, and to build, and what stands today is because he has given his life to it. And you see that what great legacies these people can leave. Can leave. That even if maybe in, in now it might seem like, you know, it's not acknowledged, or that it doesn't feel like much, but that in the years to come, and in, in all of eternity, that we can leave a great legacy in our lives just by obeying God. Just by saying, God, what does it look like if I got this word and I truly lived it out? What does it look like if I didn't just read the scriptures or know, where, know what part of the Bible they come from, but actually I said, I want to live this out? What would that look like in our lives? That wouldn't, what a great legacy that would leave. You even read it, even see of IBTI and the people that founded that. Look, what a great legacy that leaves of people that simply obeyed God for generations and, and for, for all of us. What a legacy we could leave for our own families, for our kids, for those around us, for our own lives as well. What great things God could do with a man that obeys God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For any more information or to find out more of what we do as a church, you can contact us at info at centrechurch.uk or check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk